Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. If you guys want some more Natty gear and you want it shipped to you fast, you don't want to wait two, three weeks like you do with some of these other companies, Alumni Hall has got you guys covered. So make sure to check them out today online at alumnihall.com or here in the Classic City inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center. But I am your host, Tyler, and gracing us with her presence today is my coach Charlie, who is, of course, the star of the podcast. Charlie, I know it's coming here sooner rather than later, but when does that off-season vacation start? Soon, hopefully. I figured that would be the case. Any big plans, or are you just kind of playing it by ear? Playing it by ear, some ear, excuse me, tired this week. It's one of those weeks. Short trips here and there. So you're not a, a long trip kind of guy? Like you're, you disappeared for like a month or two last, last year, so it was just kind of like small trip here and there? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, as the older I get, the more I like like a quick like two, three, maybe four day trip. I don't like the long like I you know going places for two weeks. Like to me, that's not a vacation. It just becomes like okay, I want to get home. So I don't know. I'm with you there, Charlie. I like that, but I'm glad that you are here today. And guys, the reason Charlie is on here with me today is because it is time for the annual reckoning. We do this each and every year, but today is the day that we revisit. All of our preseason predictions to determine exactly what we got right and also what we got wrong all the way back in August when we made these predictions. You know, we did an episode, I guess, yeah, it was late August, right before the season started, and we laid out all of these predictions, Curtis, Charlie, myself, the rare episode where the, where all three of us were on there together. We did that back in early August, laid out all these predictions, and you know, like, when you do a show like this, you make predictions all the time, like on a weekly basis. And everyone who produces any sort of college football content, really any sports content whatsoever, everybody makes predictions. But I, I don't think enough of them actually provide like a full accounting of how those predictions actually turned out. And we don't want to be like that. You know, we tell you guys all the time, like when we started this podcast years and years ago, we basically wanted to create a show that we wanted to listen to ourselves, right? Because we didn't think that was out there. And one of the things that always annoyed me forever was you know, people would make all these predictions and then they would run and hide when those predictions went wrong, act like it never happened, and just like ignore it. 
We don't want to be like that. You know, uh, when you're in this business, you get some right, you get some wrong. No one bats a thousand. That's just how things go. We, we strive to get as much right as we can. That's the plan. That's the goal. But you'd never get all of them right. And accountability is important. And that's what we are trying to do on today's show. So, Charlie, are you nervous? How are you feeling about this? I think I did pretty well. Actually, I was going through your picks. I mean, I know you had the handy-dandy handy notebook, but what I had written down when we did that episode, I, I think you did really, really well. I know you had the final numbers, and we're going to reveal those as we go through the show today, but um, I, I was impressed, Charlie, and I think our listeners are going to be like, dude, Charlie, uh, Charlie kind of nailed it. I'm not totally clueless. I mean, no, you're not. You are actually, you, you know more about college football than I would say, like, 90% of like the dudes I know out there. And I know like my friends out there listening to play, he's not talking about me, but I don't know. Maybe I am talking about you guys because Charlie, uh, Charlie knows her stuff. And these predictions are certainly evidence of that. But all right, Charlie, I know we've got a lot of things to review and go through. Where are we starting? We're going to start in the SEC East and then go to the SEC West. At the end, Towards the end of the show, we'll go over overall numbers, unless you're like sitting down with a pen and paper to figure it out while we talk about it. So we're going to start with the national championships, the Georgia Bulldogs. Their official regular season record was 12-0. Tyler, Curtis, and I all had Georgia going 12-0 in the regular season, ultimately ended up going 15-0. So Tyler, why did you think they would go 12-0? Because we were the best team in the country? Uh, it, it, a lot of things, Charlie. I mean, I I was a believer in Stetson Bennett, and I know everyone now, I think everyone, I think, probably not everyone, but most people now are full-on believers in Stetson Bennett. But that certainly was not the case back in the preseason. I, I spent a lot of the a lot of the spring, a lot of the summer kind of swinging my sword trying to defend Stetson on social media. Kind of got into, not arguments, but into some heated discussions with people. And I usually don't do that, but I was just so tired of people all the time bashing Stetson every chance they got. So I was a huge believer in Stetson. I was a huge believer in our offense in general. You guys know I told you over and over again during the offseason that I felt this was going to be the best offense in Georgia football history. And um, it kind of turned out that way. I think maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But I believe in the offense. I believe in Todd Munkin. More than anything, I believe in Kirby Smart. Guys, you know, we're not going anywhere. We've talked about this many times. As long as Kirby Smart's our head coach, the way that we recruit, we are going to be the more talented team on the field I would say 99.99999% of the time when we line up in the regular season moving forward for the foreseeable future. When that's the case, you're not going to lose a lot of games. And that, Of course, we can lose a game. It's going to happen again at some point. We don't want to think about that now because we've gone two regular seasons without losing a game. But it'll happen again at some point. But the thing is, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to predict as long as Kirby Smart's here to lose a game in the regular season. Because again, I just think that we are better and more talented than basically every single team that's going to be on our regular season schedule. Maybe like if we played Alabama one year in a given year, like maybe you can make that argument, but we don't play them very often in the regular season. So, you know, we, we get some grief sometimes from people, some pushback that we're just homers. Oh, everyone, you all pick Georgia, go 12 and 0. You're just a bunch of homers. You run Georgia podcast. And that's fine. You can believe that. I can't change anyone's mind. But I just go back to it. This is exactly what I said in the preseason when we made these picks is I'm not saying that we can't be beaten. I'm not saying that we can't lose a game. I'm simply saying that when I look at this schedule based on talent level, coaching, experience, all of those things, I don't see a game where I can predict that we are going to lose in the preseason. You just don't see it. And that's how I've, I've felt for a couple of years now. I feel like that moving forward next year and into the future. So yeah, I mean, it was just a combination of things. I know there's a lot of a lot of people that were discounting our defense because we lost so many key players, five guys uh, that got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. But I, I did feel like we would take at least a slight step back, which we did. The final, the final numbers kind of bared that out. 
but the offense more than compensated for that. And our defense, certainly, as we said all offseason, we were going to take a step back. We're not going to fall off a cliff. We're still a top five, top 10 defense in whatever whatever statistical category you're really looking at from the defensive side of the ball. So with all those things and the fact that the SEC East just wasn't quite there yet, felt Tennessee would take a step forward, which we'll get to in a minute. But there was just no one that was going to beat us. And uh, if we got to the SEC Championship game, and uh, even if we lost that game for undefeated, I felt like we would still find our way in the college football playoff, and, and who knows what's going to happen from there. So, Charlie, yeah, it's all a combination of all those things. Next up is Florida, who went 6-6. Six and six. Tyler, you and I hit the nail on the head with that one. Curtis had them going 8-4. and four. Of course, he's not here to defend himself. Um, I wasn't as high on Billy Napier and his requirement of socks and just doesn't seem like you have not gotten off. I've heard you mention that like multiple times throughout this season, Billy Napier and the Sox thing. I think it's important to be prepared and like have things going, but like clearly there were more important things than socks this year. So there's that. So why did you predict Florida would go six and six, which ended up being correct? I'm a lot like you, Charlie. I was, uh, I, I actually think Billy Napier is a really good football coach. I think he's done a really good job where he's gone. I don't know if he's cut out for a job like that. I just don't know. He certainly didn't seem to be this year. I think he was a little too soft early on. Like, you know, Kirby, like we went through our bumps and bruises in, in year one. Uh, back in 2016, but Kirby you know, did what he had to do to, to clear that locker room and create the culture. And I don't know. I think Billy Napier was a little hesitant to do that. You know, finally, eventually, they got rid of Britton Cox, which I mean, that should have been like a day one thing for him. Anyone who knows anything about Britton Cox, like that guy should have just been gone. He should have been a part of the team. I know you got away from him to do something, but I'm sure you know his last little outburst was not the first time. And then I think he let some things like that slide too much early on in his tenure. And I don't think he established the culture he wanted to establish right away. Uh, I, th- I do think he's a good recruiter. He's a, he's a, he seems like a very good guy. All the things I've ever heard about him uh, it, are along those lines. But sometimes the good guy in this business doesn't always end up being the most successful guy. So we'll see how this plays out. But I, I, you know, anytime you have a coach in year one in the SEC, and when that when you are in the division of the SEC with the defending national champion who looks poised to potentially repeat, go back to back, which obviously we did, that's going to be a really tough uphill battle. I thought Tennessee was going to be a lot better. I thought Kentucky would be able to, to, to beat Florida. I thought Honestly, I thought Florida would lose to Utah. I, that was one I missed. I, I put some money on that in the preseason, um, and I, I missed on that one. I thought Utah would um, go in there and handle Florida that the physicality would be too much for Florida. I was wrong. Utah still should have won that game. They were better than Florida. But, you know, first game at night in the swamp, uh, I kind of underestimated that. So I missed on that one. But, you know, I I, I did think that Florida was a team that was going to struggle in year one. I also didn't believe in Anthony Richardson. I mean, if if he was the guy they were hanging their hats on, I know the Florida fans were talking Heisman Trophy. He's probably going to be drafting the first round of the NFL draft. I mean, hey, potential is a, it's, it's a real thing and people buy into that. Whatever. Good luck if you, if you buy into just based on potential and not production. But the production wasn't there. It just simply was not there. And to expect him with a new offense to all of a sudden be more productive in that offense, I just I didn't think that was a realistic expectation. So all those things combined, I felt Florida, you know, and guys, what we do every preseason is we, we print off the, the SEC helmet schedule and we pick every single game that is played. We put an L or a W. And when I went through Florida's schedule and counted them all up, I had six wins and six losses. And that's what I went with. And um, that's how it turned out. They weren't all the ex- exact same wins and losses. Again, I, I had them losing to Utah, but they won that game. But uh, all in all, final prediction, I nailed it at 6-6. Six and six. Okay, so now we have the Wildcats out of Kentucky. Yes, Charlie, the Wildcats are from Kentucky. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Curtis was really high on them, had them going 10 and 2. Uh, you had them going 6. 
six and six. However, I got this one correct. They ultimately went seven and five. I was hoping they would have a better season than that. Um, but they just had a lot of inter- injuries and just couldn't get more than seven wins. Yeah, Charlie, this is, this is one that you nailed. So you've hit all three of these first ones that we've gone over, right? Yes. Charlie, so I'm talking about, guys. Charlie knows her stuff. I mean, three three for three here, nailing them on the nose. Um, I didn't nail this one on the nose. I was in, within one game of this. And that's my goal, guys. Like, I want to be within one game, especially when I do, like, my win total bets in the preseason. Um, I usually don't bet on a team unless I have them going over or under that win t- that net number by two games or at least a game and a half. So if I'm within one game, I feel really, really good about that. Obviously, you want to nail it. You're not going to nail all of them, but... I was within one game of Kentucky. I had them going six and six. Um, Charlie, you'd have them at seven and five. Curtis, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to bash on Curtis here because he's not here to defend himself. That's not fair. Uh, Ten and two. Um, and look, he, he wasn't alone, alone in that. I mean, there were. I think it was Chris Doring from SEC Network that predicted Kentucky would beat us in the preseason. I think. I mean, hell, different people had Kentucky, had Tennessee beating us. Who else? I think they had somebody had. Florida, maybe Auburn beating us. Or people at South Carolina beating us. I mean, God, all over the place, man. Just craziness. But uh, Curtis had them at 10-2. I um, I did not see that happening. A couple of reasons. Number one, Will Levis. Don't like him. Didn't buy into him. And he might end up being a Josh Allen type guy that has a much better NFL career than he did a college career. But from a production standpoint, I didn't see it at all in 2021. Loses your best receiver. Like, you're really only playmaker at wide receiver. I knew Chris Rodriguez was going to be suspended for probably for the, for the first four games. At least he was going to be suspended for some degree of time. And he was for four games. And I thought defensively they were good. I just didn't think that they had like elite like difference makers on defense on enough of them. And like the, the way their schedule played out, I didn't love it. So I felt six and six was was a, a solid pick for them. Again, it wasn't me just looking at, looking at them and saying, "Hey, six and six. I'm no. I predicted every game. In fact, let's see. I think I have my actual helmet schedule here. So I had Kentucky. I had them losing at Florida. That is a game that they won. That was the one I missed. I had them losing at Florida. They end up winning that game. Uh, I also had them losing at Ole Miss. They lost that game. I had them losing in South Carolina, which they lost. I had them losing to Mississippi State. Um, had which they lost that game. Had them losing at Tennessee. Obviously, they lost that game. Had them losing to Georgia. So I missed the Florida game. But outside of that, I feel like I was pretty close on what Kentucky was going to be. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I feel good about that one. All right. Well, I was three for three. Now I'm going four for four with Missouri. You got this one correct, too. They ended up going six and six this season. Um, Curtis was only one game off uh, having them going five and seven. So we did pretty well there across the board. Yeah, we did, Charlie. Charlie, again, like four for four of our first four. Are you going to slow down at some point? I don't I don't know. We'll see. So I've gotten I nailed three of our first four. You got all four. That's impressive, Charlie. Yeah, I'm with you. I had Missouri six and six here. Um I felt this is a team that was that had enough playmakers at receiver. I wasn't sure about the quarterback position. I still I have a lot of I, I believe in in Eli Drinkwitz as an offensive guy. I don't know how he is as a head coach. Honestly, I I don't know. But he's a really good offensive mind. I have a lot of respect for for what he does in that offensive system. Defensively, I had some questions about how they're going to be able to replace some of their key contributors from last year. But uh, I you know looking at their schedule, it kind of laid out the way that kind of set up for them to. to sneak their way into a bowl game and that's exactly what they did. I just I couldn't go higher than six and six for them because I just didn't see the upside, especially at quarterback. And that's kind of how that one worked out. Okay. Well none of us got the next one right and that would be South Carolina. Um they ultimately went eight and four. Curtis had them at five and seven and we had them going six and six. So South Carolina definitely did better when they beat Tennessee 
Um, I mean, Clemson, I know, is not in the SEC, but that was still a big win for them. So they did way better than any of us thought they would. Um, what was your reasoning there? Yeah, South Carolina is a team. Like I missed on this one. Um, I, you know, I should be within one game. I wasn't within one game. I was two games off here. But I feel like South Carolina, I mean, they they were not as good as Tennessee. I know they beat Tennessee. That was just one of those weird games. It's just like South Carolina was not as good as Georgia was as we were back in 2019. Just one of those weird things. Sometimes things happen in college football and the best team just doesn't win. It was one of those weird nights for South for Tennessee in that, in that South Carolina game. I still think Clemson was better than South Carolina. I know that sounds insane because they beat Clemson on the road in Death Valley. I understand that. I think I think Clemson, and I know, again, I always say this, but football's not played this way. But I just think, you know, if you had a seven-game series, Clemson wins the seven-game series. That's just not how you play football. It's too physical of a sport. You can't do that. It's not like basketball. But, um, hey, give Carolina credit. They they won that game on that night. Clemson was kind of banged up. Obviously, DJU was playing too much. In that game. If they had played Cade Klubnick, does Clemson win? Probably, probably, um, but they didn't. So give the Cox credit there. But I, I still feel pretty good about that prediction. Those are two games, and th- I had those as losses. If I had those as wins, I would have gone eight and four on, uh, with them. But no, I, I think that ten- Tennessee and, and Clemson. If I had to make those picks over again, I would still pick Clemson to beat them. I would still pick Tennessee to beat them. I don't believe in Spencer Rattler. That's why I was. Um, that's really why they're down at six and six. I didn't know where their offensive playmakers were going to be. To be honest with you, and they really didn't have many. I guess Juice Wells was their number one guy defensively. Like who were the game changers? Like who were the big time players? Um, obviously, Cam Smith at cornerback was the only one. He's the only one outside that. I just didn't have anybody I really believed in. So you know, six and six. That's where I. I, I that's how I had them predicted when I went on the helmet schedule. Obviously, they won two games that I didn't have them winning. So good for them, um, but yeah, I, I feel like they were probably honestly a really more closer to six and sixteen than eight and fourteen. But hey, give them credit; they won the games. All right, Tennessee, you got this one right. They went ten and two in the SEC, or excuse me, not in the SEC, but the regular season. Excuse me. Um, Curtis and I were only one game off, having them at nine and three. Tennessee did really well, although they lost to us and South Carolina. So there's that. If you're a Tennessee fan, Charlie, how much do you hate life right now? I mean, I know they, they want to play up. Oh, man, we're so excited. We're back. 10-2 is like, you know you were a complete meltdown from South Carolina, at South Carolina, away from being in the cultural playoff, right? Well, but remember how excited they got when they were ranked number one for like four days? Oh, Charlie, yes. I, I, I am well aware. And that was one of the most glorious things in the history of my life, being in that stadium, watching those fans file out in absolute, utter silence. But yeah, this is a team, look, I mean, I don't like Tennessee, you guys know that, there's a, a strong degree of hatred, and it has been for a while, I'm not a big fan of them, especially after this year, man, I just took it to a whole other level, but I was pretty high on Tennessee, actually really high on Tennessee, and I wasn't alone there, a lot of people, I mean, people expected Tennessee to be much better this year, I did have them going 10-2, and two. Uh, I was a believer in Hendon Hooker in that system. Hendon Hooker, I don't think he's going to be an NFL type guy, but in that system, he showed me enough in 2021 to put a lot of stock in, especially the receivers they had at their disposal. They basically had the weapons they needed to run the offense that Josh Heupel likes to run. And most of the teams that they played on their schedule weren't good enough on defense to be able to man up with them on the outside. We were, right? And that's why I felt like we would beat them. But... I did not feel enough teams on their schedule would be able to match up with them. And I, again, the SEC East was just, you know, coming to the season, I didn't believe in Kentucky like people did. I didn't believe in Florida. Didn't really believe in Missouri. Didn't believe in South Carolina. Obviously, didn't believe in Vandy. So who who's going to beat them? So I I, fig- I I had them losing to us. I had them losing to Alabama. And those those were the losses that I had. I, I toyed around with LSU. Um, but 10-2, and two, man. And um, they, they nailed it. Hit 10-2 and two 
on the nose. Charlie, you were really close. I guess you had them losing to LSU is the only difference there. So, I mean, you and Curtis were, were right there as well. But, um, yeah, I feel good about that one. Glad I nailed Tennessee. I Well, I didn't want – this is actually a game – this is a team that I would have been very glad to have been so wrong on. Like, they would have gone like 6-6. Six and six, But, you know, it's, it's still good to get things right. All right, and last in the SEC East is Vandy. They went 5-7, and seven, which – was higher than any of us had them going. Uh, you and I had them going four and eight, and Curtis had the Commodores going three and nine. So why do you think they were so successful? Well, not so successful, but more successful this year. Yeah, not so successful, I guess, by variable standards. I uh, the reason I had them, their over under win total. I put I put money on this in the preseason. Their the over under win total was two and a half. And look, it's Vandy. I'm under no illusions. I know what Vandy is a pro as a, as is as a program. I didn't expect them to make a bowl come the year. I had them going four and eight. But one of the two big reasons why I had them going four and eight and not like under the two and a half. Number one, Clark Lee. I really believe in Clark Lee. I know it's a really really tough job. I have a lot of respect for him as a football coach and what he done what he's done in his background as a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Really 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 good football coach kind of cerebral guy he gets it and uh, I believed in him and uh, not like again not like hey they're gonna win eight nine games but believed in him to like get them over two and a half and I also really like their schedule I mean if you look at their schedule it's very very weak obviously Vanderbilt is not gonna go out and schedule a really tough schedule I thought that they were gonna beat Hawaii in week zero which they did Elon I thought that was going to be a dub. Uh, Northern Illinois, I thought that was going to be a dub. Um, and then I also, uh, Wake Forest was the upset special I had for them because I felt like with Sam Hartman not playing in that game, now they didn't, they did not beat Wake Forest, but I, I thought they might. I thought with Sam Hartman not playing in that game because he was out in the first part of the season with a with a health schedule, I think it was blood clots. I felt, hey, maybe maybe Vinny has a chance. Look, Vinny can be sneaky good. Got got Wake Forest at home. Don't know what Wake Forest has got really behind Sam Hartman. So I took a flyer on Vandy there and. Um, that paid off. I was within one game, but they actually didn't win that game. Who did they beat? They beat Hawaii. They beat Elon. They beat Northern Illinois. Uh, who else did they beat, Charlie? They beat Florida. Oh, yeah, they beat Florida. Um, and they almost beat Missouri. Didn't beat Missouri. They beat Kentucky. Beat Kentucky. So, yeah, I didn't see I did not have them beating Kentucky. I did not have them beating Florida. Those are two games that they won late in the season that I did not see happening. But got to give the credit, the credit where credit's due. Tip the cap to Clark Lee and company there in Nashville. There's a, a hell of a season. Man. I can't believe they only got – they were one game away from, from bowl eligibility. So, that, that's a huge year for them. So, good for the good for the doors. All right. Well, before we move into the SEC West, I'd like to remind everyone to visit alumnihall.com or go to Alumni Hall. You know, I've seen on Twitter – Everybody's showing their national championship gear. They're like, oh my gosh, it finally arrived. Well, if you've shopped at Alumni Hall online, you've already gotten yours because I got mine like three days after the game, two days after two the days game. Two days for me. Yeah, so check out Alumni Hall. They're always getting new merchandise and they will keep you well-dressed. Absolutely, guys. Charlie nailed it. I mean, Alumni Hall. I mean, guys, I'm in there. I, I feel maybe not quite once a week, but it Sometimes it is once a week, and there's always new stuff in there. They have, I mean, people are always incredibly nice when you're in there. They're very helpful. You've got all the gear you could want, different brands, all sorts of variety, men's, women's, kids, all sorts of stuff, and uh, they'll get you hooked up. So make sure to check out Alumni Hall in-store inside the Epsom Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Charlie. So we had a, a heck of a run there in the SEC East. And so I'm going to go back and look at this. So you hit four of the seven SEC East teams on the head. And I think you've got six of the, yeah, you got six of the seven within one game. That is ridiculous, Charlie. So congratulations on that. Big time. Thank you. All right, you ready to hop over to the West? That's all I can say. You're just you're oh, saying you the want humility me to ta- is, is stagnant. Do you want me here, to Charlie. talk about yours? No, I, no, oh, no, okay. no, no. I, I was trying to give you some props. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm very impressed with your predictions. Okay, well, maybe you shouldn't be so impressed because this is normal. Yeah, you're right. You, I, like, I, like I tell people, you know your stuff. That's what, that's what I said at the outset of the show, Charlie. You know your stuff. I'm just trying to give you some props here. Would you make it sound like I don't know my stuff? Because you're I'm like so trying sorry. to be okay. so convincing. All right, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'm just trying to be a nice guy, Charlie. People say that about nice enough to you. So I was trying to be nice to you. All right, well, let's go over this. This is why, guys. This is why I gave her a hard time. Because listen, when I try to be nice, this is what I get. We're going to go over to the SEC West now. We're starting with Alabama. You were only one game off. You had them going 11-1. and one. Curtis and I had them going 12-0. and 0. Huh. Of course, they ended up going 10-2. and 2. So, what do you think happened to Alabama this year? I don't know if anything happened to Alabama. They just lost two really close games. I mean, last second. I mean, literally last second play is what we're talking about. I think the LSU was a walk-off two-point conversion, if I remember correctly. Um, I did have them going 11-1. I had them losing one game. I didn't see the two losses. I had them beating Tennessee. Um, I, I missed that one. But I did have them losing to LSU. I didn't see it going down the way that it went down. I was very high on LSU. I think I had LSU going 10-2, and two, I think, in the regular season. I was very high on, I think, higher on LSU than like anyone out there. I was a little too high. They ended up going, what, 9-3, so I missed them by one game. I was one game too high on them. But I did have LSU beating Alabama. I just didn't have Bama losing to Tennessee. I mean, Alabama, like, my, my reasoning for them losing to LSU was, well, number one, I felt LSU was going to be a lot better with Jaden Daniels. I thought he really raised the ceiling. I thought they had a really, really good group of receivers. I liked the talent they had on defense. And then Alabama, I just there were two things that concerned about Alabama. Number one, their offensive line. 
I did not think it was going to be nearly as good as what we saw in 2021, and that was the uh, that was the case. But really, more than anything, it was the receivers. They did not have the difference makers at receivers coming into the year, and I talked about that many times in the offseason. Some people told me I was crazy. People told me I was a homer, that I was just hating on Jermaine Burton, and I kept saying, nah, man, he's just not that guy. Like, I've watched the guy for two years. I watched every game, like, multiple times, many times, and watched it very closely. Jermaine Burton's not that guy, and you saw that this year. It wasn't me hating on Jermaine Burton. I was just trying to be objective and be honest. When you're a Georgia guy, and you're honest about what you've seen for two years, people just say you're hating. That's just, that's the world we live in. But I didn't believe in Alabama's receiver core. That's why I, I didn't have them winning the national championship. I did have them winning the, winning the West and going and actually winning the SEC championship. But I had them losing the game. I didn't have them going undefeated. And I would have had, and I had them losing in the college world playoff. But yeah, I mean, I wish I would have had them lose in Tennessee, but I missed on that one. That's okay. But you know, Alabama just, I didn't think it was going to be a vintage Alabama team, which is what I was saying all off season. And uh, that kind of proved to be the case. All right, the next team I got right, you and Curtis got wrong. That would be LSU, who ended up going nine and three. You were only one game off. You had them going ten and two. Curtis had them going eleven and one. So, why do you think I got it right? There it is. There it is, guys. I don't try. You tell me why did you get it right? I don't remember why I picked them to go nine and three. That yeah, was a long time ago. <laughs> It was a long time ago. Let's look at your. Let's look at what you you got your helmet schedule here. So oh, yeah, I didn't make detailed notes. I only have my helmet schedule. Let's see here. I had them losing to Alabama, Arkansas, and Texas A and M. Oh, the Texas A and M one. They, hey, you know what? A and M sucked, but you nailed that one. Got it right. You got that one. I mean, the one game that A and M actually stepped up and won a game. They they helped you out there. Um, I uh, I actually had them. Who did I have them? I had them. Let's see. I had them. I had them losing to A and M as well. Who did I, I had them losing to? I had them losing to Arkansas. Oh God! Don't let's not talk about Arkansas. That's not. Can we just skip Arkansas? I know we got to do them later. Let's. Yeah, that was a bad one. I had them losing to Arkansas. I had them beating Bama with turn. I had them losing at Arkansas because that was right after they played Alabama. In fact, actually, I'm not even embarrassed by that because Charlie. Let's not forget, Arkansas almost beat LSU. Okay. They lost by three points last second. They had a last second drive. They could have. They could have won that game, but they they went to a third string quarterback, and it just it didn't it didn't work out. KJ Jefferson did not play in that game, and they still only lost by three. But that was my rationale. It's like they're going to beat Alabama. They're going to be really high and in, in, in flying flying high off that win. They're going to overlook Arkansas on the road. Arkansas also jump jump up and beat them. And they almost did. They just didn't. So I missed that. Um, I, I did have them losing to AM. But yeah, look, L, LSU is what I was saying when I was talking about Alabama. I was high on LSU. I probably got more pushback on this on this one pick than I did any of them all offseason long so when I when I put this out there I got quite a few listeners that hit me up and like dude you're crazy like 10 I don't see that one like I don't know about LSU going 10 and 2 it was that one and people were like pushing back on me saying I was too low on Kentucky um, but I felt LSU when Jaden Daniels was announced as the starter I watched him a lot of Arizona State and he he has some deficiencies, but he also really raised the ceiling of what that offense could be with his ability to run the ball, obviously, which you saw all year long, and also push the ball vertically down the field through his throws a great deep ball, and you saw that all year. I love their receivers. I have a lot of Noah's year one for Brian Kelly. But I, thought, I felt like there was a lot of talent, way more talent at LSU for Kelly to work with than for Napier to work with at Florida. And uh, the defensively, man, I just thought they had so much talent. Like they, just, I thought they were, they should have been so much better in 2021 with just the whole Coach O thing just kind of spiraled out of control. But they had way more talent than that. And so when I'm doing my win predictions or like when I'm putting money on like win totals in the preseason, I look for teams like that that kind of underachieve the year before. We have a lot of those players back, and they're, I just don't think they're going to underachieve two years in a row. LSU was that team for me this year, so I was really high on them. In fact, I was one game too high on them. 
But uh, I'm pretty proud of that picture because I got a lot of pushback on that when people saying I was insane. Like, what are you looking at? Because I think they're over under win total, depending on where you were looking at in the preseason. I think it opened maybe at six and a half and it went to seven. I got it at seven um, and I won that one easily. Felt good about that. So I won some money off that. So yeah, I mean, that was a that was a solid pick by me. I'll, I'll take that one. You had a better pick though, Charlie, going nine and three. Good for you. I did. This next team though, no one got right. Um, you were closest. Curtis and I were definitely not at 10 and 2. Texas A&M ended up going 5 and 7. Curtis and I had them the Aggies going 10 and 2. You had them going 9 and 3. So everybody just wrong. Talk about an all-time face plant. And not just like the number one recruiting class, but that, the number one recruiting class. And then you have Jimbo Fisher throwing down the gauntlet to Nick Saban, calling a press conference to just rip into him. And like, dude, like, he he would not have done that if he did not think that his team was going to be awesome. You don't do that. Like, you don't do that unless you think that you're going to be able to back it up. And again, like, talk about an all-time face plant. Like, unbelievable stuff. I would say it's inexplicable, but it's not. I'm actually kind of mad at myself for not seeing this coming. Not now. I would never have predicted five and seven, but I'm kind of mad at myself for not going like seven five and eight and four. I, I was kind of in the middle ground there. I didn't buy into all the number one recruiting class hype because you know they're they're all freshmen and they're not all going to be impact players right away. But I also felt there's too much talent for them to go under nine and three. And really, guys, there was they had no business being five and seven. We all know that with the talent they have on that team. The reason I was not as high as, you know, some people have them like in the top 10, top five, potentially. I didn't like their quarterback situation. And I, like, I didn't know who was going to win it. I, I know that I didn't like Max Johnson. Like, he's fine. He's a game manager type guy. You know, it's crazy to me how people spend the entire offseason killing Stetson Bennett, but like, people were like lifting up Max Johnson. I'm like, have you actually watched college football? Have you watched these two guys play? You think, you actually think Max Johnson is better than Stetson Bennett? You're freaking crazy. And a lot of people did. I did not. Um, I, I felt like if he was going to be the guy, that's not a team that's going to win the West. That's not a team that's going to contend for college football playoff berth or national championship, nothing like that. Obviously, it was Haynes King to start. I didn't know much about Haynes King because he, he got hurt, what, week two last year against Colorado. And uh, so I hadn't seen much of him, but I just wasn't buying into it. And you had the other other uh, contenders, a freshman, a true freshman, like true freshman in the SEC typically don't fare overly well at the quarterback position. So that's why I kind of hit the middle ground there for them. I wish I would have gone a little bit lower, but uh, I just didn't see them completely bottoming out like that. But um, yeah, nine and three is where I had them. All right. Well, Curtis gets his second, I guess, correct pick. Is that, that, his, is correct that pick? his second correct Second pick. nail on the head. Yep. Of the season that comes with Auburn going five and seven. I also had Auburn going five and seven. However, you were only one game off with them going four and eight. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, they got rid of Brian Harson. Now they have you freeze. What adventure that's going to be. Way to go. Tigers, war Eagles, whatever they are. Plainsman, Charlie. Yeah, like uh, Auburn, I mean, obviously I wasn't high on them. I had them going forward eight. Who did they end up beating that I didn't have them beat? Let me look at this here. I had Auburn losing to, see, I had them losing to Penn State. had them losing to LSU. They lost both those games. I had them losing to Georgia. I had them losing to Ole Miss. They lost all those games. Um, had them losing to Arkansas. They lost that game. Had them losing to Mississippi State. Lost that game. What game did they not lose that I had? What? I'm confused here, Charlie. They lost to Penn State, right? Yes. They lost to LSU. Yes. Lost to Georgia. Yes. They lost at Ole Miss, correct? Yes, they lost at Ole Miss. Then, oh, no, they lost to Arkansas. Okay, got it. They beat AM. I had them losing to AM. So that was that was the one I got wrong. I had them losing 
to AM at home. They found a way to, to step up and, and win one. Win one, though, there for old Brian Harson. So, yeah, I was, I was slightly low on them. Charlie, give you credit there. You, you and Curtis both nailed that one. Is that right? Yes. Oh, well, good for you guys. Yeah, I, I was um, I was not a believer. I mean, hey, I, again, within one game, I'm not uh, I'm not too upset about that one. Pretty close there. Okay, well, you had Arkansas's win total. You bet on them this year, last year. Do we really have to do this, Charlie? I mean, we do. I guess that's the point of the show to hold myself accountable, and this is this is the biggest one. You had the Razorbacks going eight and four. Curtis had them going nine and three. I had them going seven and five. Ultimately, they ended up going six and six. So I was closest, only one game off. Point for me. Um, so what do you what, what happened there? Let me just start this off by saying this: Go to hell, Arkansas. I freaking hate you. I hate Arkansas. I didn't hate Arkansas before. I now hate. Arkansas. They blew so many freaking games for me. I needed them to win one more game. I had them over six and a half. I had the two biggest win total bets I ever placed in my life in the preseason was Arkansas over six and a half, TCU over six and a half. Nailed TCU. Feel great about that one. Arkansas, what a failure. What a colossal failure. It's on me. It's on me. I put my faith in the wrong places. I thought old Sam would get it done, Charlie. Charlie, you love old Sam. How do you feel about Sam now? I mean, I still like him. Hate him. Sam, sorry, buddy. Used to love you, man. Not anymore. You did me wrong. No. I mean, guys, they lost four games by a combined nine points. Four games by a combined nine points. And it was, you know, it, it most of it was injury related. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to try to make too many excuses here, but it was, you know, week one against Cincinnati. They had two starters in the defensive backfield go down for the season. And one of them was hurt for most of the year. Then he quit. And so he basically was out for the season. And their best player, Jaden Catalan, best player in the defense. Well, second best player. Drew Sanders was the best player, but certainly the best player in the secondary was out for the year, but halfway through that first game in Cincinnati. They found a way to win that game, but they were just so bad on defense the rest of the year. And they they should have been that bad. I know they had so many, they, their past defense was terrible. They led the SEC in sacks for most of the year. Drew Sanders was awesome. Bumper pool was good for them. Front seven was solid. They just couldn't defend anybody in the back end. It was just laughable. And those injuries in week one killed them. KJ Jefferson got knocked out for a couple of games in the middle of the season. And um, that killed them. You know, they, they would, I swear to God, they, they, they would have beaten LSU at home if KJ Jefferson would have played. But he didn't. And they lost that game. Oh, and then there's the Arkansas game. Or not, there's the te- Texas A&M game, I should say. The Arkansas-Texas A&M game. Dear God, Charlie, I can't even I can't even relive that game. I'm so mad about that. So if you guys watch that game, that's the one play in Jerry's world. You know, they um, they had the neutral site thing going on with AM. And there was a play in the first half where from about the five yard line, KJ Jefferson decides to go all Superman and literally leap behind from behind line of scrimmage from like the five freaking yard line trying to score. What happens? Oh, predictably, the ball gets knocked out of his hands. I don't know if there's a stupider player in college football than KJ Jefferson. The guy is you know, he's fit to run that offense, big, physical, tough, tough guy, really tough guy. Got to give him props there. He makes so many bonehead decisions, none more boneheaded than that. And that cost me, guys, because they would have won that game if they even get a field goal there. And then what happened at the end of the game? They still had a chance to win. The last second field goal goes off the top of the upright. Goes off the top of the upright. And at the time, I was just sitting there staring at it speechless. I didn't know it was going to cost me all that money, but it did. It ultimately, ended up costing me that money. You lose to Liberty at home. Dear God. Lose Missouri at the end of the season. Just unacceptable stuff. But again, four games by nine points. A total of nine points, four losses. So, I mean, Charlie, I just it's just one of those things. When you gamble, sometimes things like that happen. I got it wrong. It is what it is. Um, I, yeah, I just, man. 
I, can, I still can't get over that one. They just they 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 screwed they screwed me so many ways. They had so many chances. I needed one more win. Like one of those four games that they screwed away, I needed one of them, just one, and I couldn't get one. They couldn't give me one. So Sam, you're dead to me, man. Dead to me. All right, two teams to go. Next up, up, excuse me, the Ole Miss Rebels who ended up going eight and four. Good job, Tyler. You got that one. Curtis had him going six and six, so he was definitely not high on the Rebels. Are they the Rebels? I mean, they are the Rebels. They just can't have Colonel Reb as their actual right. mascot. My brain is just not functioning properly today. You're in vacation mode. It's okay. Thank I you for was, being here. I was only one game off at 9-3. and three. Um, So what do you think? What did you see in the Rebels in the preseason? Yeah, this is actually, you know, I'm I'm proud of a couple of these picks. I was, I mean, obviously Georgia, 12-0. Um, I was proud of the Tennessee pick. I was proud of the LSU pick. Maybe I was most proud of this one. Um, people were up, you know, there's a lot of variance in Ole Miss in the preseason. I did predict them to go 8-4, and four, Charlie. But what I'm most proud of in the Ole Miss pick, more than the final record, is how I predicted it playing out. So I'm looking at my at my helmet schedule here, Charlie. So, Charlie, look at the first seven games here. Tell me what I had them going through the first seven games of the season. All of them, 7-7. Seven and seven. Seven, seven and oh. Seven and oh. So that was my thing in the preseason, guys. I looked at that schedule and I said, okay, yep, they're going to win Oh, this one and this one and this one. I had them going seven and oh. What I told you guys in the preseason, I think on that episode, I said, they're going to go seven and oh. They're going to win their first seven games. They're going to be ranked inside or right around the top five. And then the schedule really heats up the last five weeks and they're going to go eight and four. They're, they, they'll be lucky to win one of those games because after they hit that seven and oh mark, they had at LSU, at AM. By week, Alabama at Arkansas, Mississippi State. I felt they would be lucky to win one of those games, and that is precisely what happened. They went eight and four, kind of folded down the stretch. And it wasn't that they fold is not the right word. They just they weren't that good of a football team. But the schedule was really really light the first part of the season. I mean, you had Troy, Central Arkansas at Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky at Vandy and Auburn. I, I'm looking at them like they're going to win every one of those games. They're going to win every... It will say, they'll have to be upset to lose one of those games, but all their toughest games were in the back half, and it wasn't they, that they fell apart, which a lot of people want to say they did. No, they just... They weren't that good. Like It, it was a mirage early in the year, and when they actually played real teams, oh yeah, they didn't beat those real teams. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel good about that one, Charlie. That was one I... Um, you know, with, with Matt Crow, who I was a big fan of when he left, I, I just... I knew Jackson Dart was coming in. I just... Didn't believe in Jackson Dart as much based off what I saw from him at USC. All right. And the last team in the SEC is Mississippi State. They ended up going eight and four. You got that right. I got that right. Curtis got that wrong. He had them going six and Don't six. Don't be mean, Charlie. All right. So what did you see in the Mississippi State Bulldogs? Yeah, I uh, this is a team I w- I was higher on. The I think they're over. I know they're over under win total in the preseason was six and a half because I put money on that and I won money on that. I didn't understand it because this is a team I told you guys throughout the offseason was way better than their record was last year. They were six and six. They were plus like fifteen hundred yards in their total yards margin last year. That's more of like a typical eight and four, nine and three type team. And they just they lost some close games. They lost some games because of field goal kicks that went awry late in the game. And uh, they were better than that. And I felt like that would rectify itself this season when you have Will Rod. Rodgers, a veteran quarterback coming back in Mike Leach's system. RIP Mike Leach will miss you, Pirate. Um, I felt this, and I love the receiving core that they had. I thought this would be the best offense they had, had under Mike Leach. I really liked Zach Arnett defensively. I thought Tyrus Wheat's a really, really good pass rusher. I thought they had some really good players back there uh, on that defense side of the ball. And uh, I liked the way their schedule laid out. And uh, I thought 8-4 and four when I <clears throat> went through all the picks was uh, was a, a, a 
really solid pick for them. I mean, I know obviously you have Alabama, you have Georgia, you're not going to win either one of those games. But outside of that, I mean, they had to play at LSU, uh, which they almost won that game, actually, but they um, they kind of blew that game late. But they ended up losing. Like, that wasn't going to be a loss. I was really high on LSU. But this is a team that um, had a really, really good season. I, I went back and forth in the regular season or in the preseason, waffling between them winning and losing the Ole Miss game. And you can see here, Charlie, on my uh, my helmet schedule, I had like it crossed out three or four times. Like when LWLW, and I stuck, I ended up with the W there. So I had them winning at Ole Miss because I just, again, I had more faith in them with all, what they had returning compared to what Ole Miss had returning. So yeah, eight and four. Feel good about that one. All right. So that is each individual team so now let's go through the overall picture here Tyler ended up hitting six teams exactly that included Georgia Florida Missouri Tennessee Ole Miss and Mississippi State you predicted five other teams within one game of their actual record so overall you went 11 for 14 teams within one game of their actual final record pretty good Charlie, I mean, look, again, you don't bet a thousand, but I feel pretty good about that one. I, I, I really do. I think I had a pretty good year when it came to predicting all these teams and the, what the records would be in the preseason. All right. Curtis hit two teams exactly, which was Georgia and Auburn. Uh, he predicted two other teams to be within one game of their actual record. That included Tennessee and Missouri. So he went four for 14 within one game of their actual final record. Um, we love you, Curtis. We still love you, man. Right. And then my record, I hit seven teams exactly, which seven is one more than six, which I, you had. I think that's how math works. Okay. Yes. Got to give you credit. My predictions that were correct included Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Missouri, Auburn, Mississippi State, and LSU. Definitely did better in the East. Uh, predicted four other teams within one game of their actual record, so I have the same overall record as you which well, is 11 within one game yes. 11 and 14 with one game within one game of the record am i allowed to say good job i mean i don't know what the rules are there you are. charlie Thank Can you. I, very good job I mean, seriously fantastic job there curtis um really good effort man we love you buddy really good effort there you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, but, Charlie, that was, those were not the only predictions that we made. We also had some playoffs and postseason picks as well. We did. Um, for the SEC championship game, we all had UGA versus Bama, and we all picked Bama. So that's interesting. Yeah, I uh, man, and this is like, I don't know, man. I know, God, in retrospect, Tyler, you're an idiot. Like, how? How? what was I thinking? I mean, I, I had it in my mind. I told you guys it was not going to be a vintage Bama team. I didn't like their receivers. Offensive line, I had some concerns there. But 
I had them picking Georgia. I don't know if that was, it was so long ago. I, maybe that was like me and trying to be the anti-homer and, and like being sensitive, being called a homer. I don't know. I'll just tell you guys this. I ain't making that mistake again. I'm not making that mistake again. I was wrong there. I let our dogs down. I feel horrible about it, but who cares? Back-to-back national champs. That's all that matters. All right. And then we had the playoff predictions. You had Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Utah. So two out of four. That's pretty good. Um, Curtis had Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. So two out of four. Um, I had Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Utah. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha on that one. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. But yeah, so that, those were the playoff picks. I don't hate the Utah pitch. Right? You and I both had Utah. I know Utah ended up 9-3 and three the regular season, but they lost two games by three points. They lost at Florida week one. I think they played Florida later in the season. They win that game, especially on a neutral site. Not how football works. They lost to Oregon at Oregon by three points. So they were six points, two field goals away from being in the college football playoff. They beat USC twice. I feel fine about that pick. I, I don't hate that pick. I'm not embarrassed by that pick. Ohio State, I felt, the, felt like they were going to be the team out of the Big Ten. Now, I did think Ohio State was going to win the Big Ten, so I missed on that, but I, I did have them in the college world playoff. Bama, you know, I mean, Bama easily could have been in there, but it wasn't to be. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that we would we'd be undefeated. We'd lose to Alabama in a tight game in the SEC Championship game. I think that's what I said, and um, we would sneak in just like we did in 2021. But two out of four, I'll, I'll take that one. Um, all right, Charlie, anything else that we need to go over? I have a couple more questions for you. You also predicted all offseason that 2022 would be Georgia's best year of offense in the history of Georgia football. So how would you rate your prediction there? I would rate that as 100% accurate, Charlie. Thank you for bringing that up. I wasn't going to bring it up, but thank you so much for giving this opportunity, Charlie. Yes, I did say that over and over and over again all offseason long, and there were some, obviously, rivals, you know, people from different fan bases on Twitter push back and call me an idiot and call me a homer. Like, it's fine, whatever. But um, I felt very strongly about what we had returning at quarterback. I was much higher on Stetson than, than a lot of people were. Um, I really liked what we had coming back at receiver with A.D. Mitchell and Lad McConkey. Uh, I was hoping Aaron Smith could stay healthy. You know, obviously, you know, you know, he, he made an impact later down the season. I knew what we had in Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Washington coming back fully healthy to open the season. I love what we had at running back, although we had a lot of options there. I think Todd Munkin is the best offensive coordinator in the entire country. Um, and I felt that way for a couple of years now, even in 2020, like when we were not winning all those games, I was sitting there watching those games. And like, dude, like all he is doing is dialing up guys wide open. Like he is, he is scheming guys wide open time after time. And we're just not converting. I, I saw enough in that, in that season. Then obviously in 2021, like I was, it was, you know, over. I was like, this guy is, he's legit. And uh, this year, even more so, I'm in the bag for Todd Munkin. So I thought that was going to be the case, Charlie. And prior to this year, the, the best offense in Georgia history statistically was, 20, uh, was 2012. And uh, we surpassed the 2012 offense in total yards, yards per play, and scoring offense. So yes, this was clearly the best offense in Georgia history. Now, I will say, a little caveat here, offensive football has changed. Football in general has changed. So it's, it's a different era. It's a different time. We're talking about a decade ago. But I felt... From a production standpoint, this would be the most productive, and if you want to call that best, which is what I did, best offense in Georgia history, and it 1,000% turned out to be that way. I will say, I thought Stetson was going to be really good. I didn't see Stetson going to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. He was better than even I thought he was going to be, and I want to give a lot of credit to that guy for just working and grinding, and it's amazing to see what having an entire offseason be the number one guy and being able to take those number one reps can do for a guy, because Stetson was lights out, and he did that his entire career, guys. He just got better and better and better. The guy we saw in 2020, I think it was fair to criticize him. The guy we saw in 2021 was much better. The guy we saw this year was lights out, a legend, an absolute legend. So yeah, I think this was clearly, honestly, the best offense in Georgia history. 
All right. And one last question to wrap it all up here, and then we'll get out of here. I mentioned your win total bet with Arkansas earlier in the show. And yeah, why don't you talk about the ones I actually won? I'm getting there. Oh, okay, okay. Give Thank it, you. Thank you. Sorry. Give it a Sorry. minute. Uh, you talked about other win total bets all season on the show. So how did those win total bets end up panning out? Well, thanks for asking, Charlie. Uh, yeah, Arkansas, I mean, I'll start there again. Um, terrible. Awful. I, I can't defend it. It was just, it was what it was. I had them going over six and a half. Um, the, again, the two biggest win total bets I put in my life put the same amount of money on TCU and Arkansas this offseason. TCU nailed, so it kind of covered what I missed on Arkansas, but I missed on Arkansas. But outside of that, the only other win total bet I put in the preseason that I lost, and this is a bit, I was really high. I thought that, honestly, I was saying that I thought this team could make a, a dark horse run to the college playoff like Cincinnati did in 2021. I had Houston over nine. I thought what they had coming back, Clayton Toon, starting quarterback coming back, Nathaniel Dell, best receiver coming back. Um, their systems entrenched there. They were awesome on defense in 2021 under Doug Belk. They were they fell off, man, on defense this year. I so I, I thought easily within their schedule, they didn't have to play Cincinnati in the regular season. I thought easily over nine. Um, I was wrong. They were just a freaking mess, man. They were it was like that was one of the worst coaching jobs I've seen in a long time. Like the talent they had, the experience, the returning stars they had on that team, for them to be as bad as they were. I think being seven and five, I think was the final was their final record. Or maybe it was eight and four. But there was no excuse for that. They should have been in the in the AAC title game, and they weren't. And that's just terrible. So 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 underachieved this year. But I missed on that one. So Arkansas and Houston, two teams I was really high on, and I missed on both those teams. But um. After, outside of that, I won all my other win total bets. So I hit on TCU over six and a half. Also had TCU to win the Big Twelve, and my God. I still have nightmares of how they lost that game to Kansas State. Just mm, that was a tough one to swallow. I took a flyer on them to win the Big Twelve, and uh, man, almost hit that one, but just barely missed that. Still, still proud of that pick. I uh, had LSU over seven. Again, told you guys I was really, really high on LSU. I got a lot of value on that one. Tennessee, I thought it was comical that Tennessee was only over seven and a half. Like that was crazy to me. So I jumped all over that one. I was not high on Oklahoma State. I'm not a Spencer Sanders believer. They lost a ton on de- like they were really, really good on defense. That's, that was really what drove that team in 2021 to the Big 12 championship game. To really an eyelash away from the college playoff. They lost their defensive coordinator and Jim Knowles, lost a bunch of studs off that defense. There was no way they were going to be that good on defense. The offense, I didn't believe in Spencer Sanders to be able to carry that team. And clearly that was the case. They had some injuries there, but I had Oklahoma State under nine. Easy, easy money. Vandy, I mentioned them earlier. I believed in Vandy over two and a half. Two and a half, I didn't think they were going to be good, but two and a half, looking at the, their non conference, I thought Hawaii was going to be garbage, which they were, Elon. And so they were going to win both those games. It was a matter of can you win one of two? Can you beat Wake Forest or Northern Illinois? And you know what? They beat Northern Illinois. Let's go. I remember watching that at the bar in um, in South Carolina, uh, in Columbia, after our game. And they were down early in that game. They came back and won. And I, I hit that win title bet there in week four. And uh, that, was, that was a beautiful day, man. Very happy about that one. Had Utah over eight and a half. They almost hurt me on that. I had them going, I think I had them like, I had them in the playoff. I had them 11 and 1. So I thought they would go way over. They barely went over, but they went over, had them over eight and a half. And Michigan State was the other team that I was like, they were a team that I felt really, really overachieved in 2021. I did not think they were that good and they were not going to be able to replicate that. Because you look at their uh, yardage margin last year, like their total yardage margin was less than Mississippi State. Somehow they went 10 and 2. Mississippi State went 6 and 6. 
that rectifies itself the next year. It's why I went over on Mississippi State. And so I also had Mississippi State over um, six and a half. And um, then I had Michigan State under seven and a half. They just were not going to be able to replicate that, especially without Kenneth Walker. So let's add all that up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I went eight and two. I had 10 preseason win total bets, went eight and two. Lost a big one in Arkansas. That one hurt. But I more than made up for that with the other one. So all in all, uh, a really, really good preseason for me. Hopefully, we can replicate that again this year. Knock on wood. I don't know. You know, that was a that was a good run for me with those win total bets. We'll see how it plays out this year. But whenever I, I'm already kind of starting, guys. You know, when you get into February, I start kind of like looking at all these teams, starting to watch some film. Especially, it really kicks into high gear after college basketball is over. But I'll start looking at schedules because right now, that like the Big Twelve schedule's not out, the a, the ACC schedule's not out, so I can't do it full force. But I can kind of look at some of the the SEC stuff. And uh, I'll start over the next couple of months, like, okay, who, you're going to win this game, you're going to win that game. And when we get to like May and all these numbers start coming out, I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you who I've got and uh, how I'm feeling about it. And uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can win some money together. But all right, Charlie, anything else? Or is that, is that wrap things up today? That's the show for today. All right, Charlie. So thank you for being here, Charlie. I don't know when we're going to see you again. Hopefully sometime within the next couple of weeks we'll get you in here eventually eventually so charlie will be back guys we're gonna let her take a little bit of a break she's worked really hard this off season and uh hey man with, with picks like that she's uh the predictions like that she's earned some time off but i'm not going anywhere curse hopefully curse will be back with me next week guys i mean he's again i told you guys earlier in the week uh First time homeowner just bought a new home and they're having some issues already. So he's been dealing with that all week, but hopefully we'll be that'll settle down and uh, we'll be able to get him back on next week. But thank you for being here, guys. It's been a fantastic season. We're not completely necessarily done looking back at 2022. If that's what you want us to do, you know, with some questions, we'll do that. But we're gonna try to kind of be forward facing from here on out and start looking ahead to the 2023 college ball season because Cosmo is a beautiful thing, guys, and we are going for that 3P, and we're going to have you guys covered all off-season long. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for being with us all season long, guys. It's been an absolute blast, and I can't wait to keep this thing going all the way through 2023 and beyond. But Oh, but before we go, there is the ITA Indoor Kickoff for tennis national indoor tournament which won't be indoors because our indoor facility is being um torn down and rebuilt to add two more courts so this weekend come out watch the girls tomorrow at two, the ladies the women at 2 30 and if you if you come out to the women's match on saturday guys between the doubles and singles matches they're gonna have the national championship trophy out there on the court and you can come and get your photo op with it so not a bad deal it's free by the way I want to see them do that in their 10-minute uh, break. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to happen. Like, people are going to be a line. Like, there's like a five-minute break, 10-minute break. It's not much. Yeah. Um, so th- if they win on Friday, they will. the women will play at 2.30 on Saturday. If they lose, which they won't on Friday, they would play at 11 on Saturday or 11.30. The men will play on Sunday and Monday. Come out, check it out. But also... Our boy. The Australian Open... We have former UGA dog Jan Zielinski from Poland. No, I didn't. I'm so excited for him. He has made it with his doubles partner to the Grand Slam. So it's his first final. Very exciting. He's an excellent, excellent doubles player. Um, and they're playing a guy they're playing, from UNC. Yes. So I wonder, because Jan... Jakarta, I, think like, we watched a, I watched him play at the National... You were there at the National right. Championship that's what I'm we, saying. We, we beat UNC. He, he played court two for them. Well, and Jan played in the doubles final in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So I won... Oklahoma won- back in 2016? 
a long time ago. I think it was 2017. It was the last time that we hosted. I think that was 2016. I could be totally... No, maybe... I don't know when it was. I don't know. Check it out. It was not 2016. I don't know. But he played in the finals um, and lost. And he's awesome. The past two matches he's played, he's served for the match points. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and I want to say this about Yonkers. I know a lot of you probably don't watch professional tennis all that much. And it's hard to find doubles on there. But if you get a chance, watch the doubles final. Jan Zielinski... Just an awesome guy. Like, you know, the cool thing about college tennis is, like, it's very intimate. You're there, and you can see these guys interact with their teammates. And, like, Jan, like, there were some players on, you know, when he was here that were not, I don't, I don't know. They used to get the best vibes for them. I guess we can say that. Jan was, the, like, he was a leader. Like, he was a, a Georgia Bulldog. He loved representing the G. In fact, if you look at his Twitter profile now, he's it's still him playing at Georgia. Like, this guy bleeds the red and black. He stayed here all four years, was a leader on this team, never complained. I was always just a grinder. And, uh, man, just one of my favorite Georgia Bulldog tennis players of all time. Like, I've always loved Jan, always respected him. And to see him have this kind of success, I never predicted it. Like, I didn't think he would have this kind of pro career. Oh, you have a nice solid career, but to be making it to Grand Slam finals, just unbelievable stuff. So happy for him, so proud of him. And this is just what Georgia Tennis does. He represents the G in the right way. But uh, great call there, Charlie, bringing that stuff up. But uh, all right, guys, that is it for us. Thank you for being here. Uh, for Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go, dogs. <laughs>